Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul Grandparent, 101 stories of love, laughs, and lessons across the generation. Good morning, Amy. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio, and happy spring to you. Oh, thanks, and thanks for having me on today. Today is the, actually the first day that Chicken Soup for the Soul Grandparents is available in stores. Fantastic. It is a pleasure to have you on the air with me. Chicken Soup for the Soul Grandparents is a wonderful read. I love the book. It's very nicely put together. The stories are extremely heartwarming, so congratulations on its release. Yeah, we had, I think, many thousands of stories submitted and so we were able to pick from such a wide variety of stories, and that enabled us to have each story really be different from any other one in the book, and they represent such a wide variety of grandparents. We have tons of grandfathers as well as grandmothers, and you know they range in age from their 40s to their 90s, and mm-hmm. then we have a lot of stories um, talking about grandparents, talking about you know what it's like to have grandchildren. So the stories go in both directions. Grandchildren Fantastic. talking about their grandparents and grandparents talking about what it's like to be a grandparent and telling stories about grandchildren. And so it's really fun. And I think that men are going to really enjoy reading this book, too, because there are so many men who wrote stories. Yay. <laughs> I was going to say that. It's wonderful. Guys are really putting their heart and soul into words now, and I'm so excited about that. Oh, yeah, we had my um, granddaughter over yesterday for six hours. It was Uh a a very long play date is what I called it. And um, my husband was right in there and had such a good time with his little granddaughter. It was just, it was so much fun. She's almost two and, um, you know, she's really able to do a lot of fun things now. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, was putting this book together while being a grandmother and um, so I have a much better understanding now of what it feels like to be a grandparent versus when we did our book for grandmothers, which we did many years ago when mm-hmm. my kids weren't even married yet. You know, so <laughs> so I did I did this grandparents book for Chicken Soup for the Soul with a lot more understanding of what it feels like, because the moment you become a grandparent, you're just a different person. Like you actually think people mm-hmm. want to look at all these photos you have on your phone and these videos and, you know, you think <laughs> everything is absolutely charming and incredibly special and other people are just being polite when they look at, you know, the 20 <laughs> photos you showed them that all look exactly the same. <laughs> That's wonderful. So how did the idea for Chicken Soup for the Soul Grandparents come about? Well, we always have a book out for Mother's Day and I know we're going to talk about that next week, um, mm-hmm. our book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, um, Mom Knows Best. But we sat around one day at one of our publishing department meetings, and we were talking about making a book for grandparents also as we roll into Mother's Day and Father's Day. 
And we looked back at the grandmother's book that we had done years ago, and we saw that it actually sold really well because we didn't remember because I've already published 150-plus books myself since we took over Chicken Soup for the Soul in 2008. So we saw that did really well, and we said, you know, there's a demand here. So this year, for this spring season, we're going to put out not only our normal Mother's Day book, but also a special one for grandmothers and grandfathers. We just felt it was time, and we didn't want to make it just for grandmothers this time. We wanted to include the guys. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, even if guys ordinarily are not as big Chicken Soup for the Soul fans as women, when it comes to grandchildren, the grandfathers are just as big mushes as the grandmothers. And so... (laughs) We've got we've got a bunch of grandfathers, you know, on the cover of the book, and we just thought let's let's do something that both people, the grandma and the grandpa, can and can enjoy. That's wonderful, though, and I tell you what, I think it's a generational thing because now you have more men, and I'm using this word in a good way, playing with kids now, and that's awesome. I think you're right because this the the new grandparents, the new grandfathers now. They had their kids when the grandfathers, you know, were in the delivery room. Mm-hmm. I mean, when the fathers mm-hmm. were in the delivery room and when the fathers were changing diapers and wearing the baby Bjorn. And this new generation of grandfathers, you know, who are like in their 50s, 60s, 70s, they were way more involved with raising their children than their fathers had been. So I think they're more apt to engage mm-hmm. in you know, the full the full aspect of grandparenting because they can change the diaper too. You know, they can feed them. They they know what to do. And like I was watching my husband yesterday with our granddaughter and, you know, he's right in there. He knows everything to do. I have to admit though, it is really hard to sit on the floor then stand up, <laughs> then sit on the floor, then stand up, then sit on the floor, then yeah. stand up. I mean, I really thought I was going to need to take a leave after that, although this morning <laughs> I'm still moving. But <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> very, very interesting. Did the project rekindle some wonderful personal memories for you with your grandparents? Oh, yeah. I um, I thought a lot about my grandparents when I was – making the book, especially one particular grandmother who I was particularly close to. She was a widow for, you know, 30-plus years um, mm-hmm. before she passed away. And so, you know, I had a very one-on-one relationship with her, and I even named my daughter after her. Um, and so, yeah, I thought I thought about her a lot, and that just incredible, unconditional love between a grandparent and a grandchild and that mutual admiration and the fact that she was really a role model for me in many different ways. I mean, she got her master's degree uh, when she was, let's see, she was born in the very early 1900s, I think maybe Mm -hmm. 1903, something like that. And, and And she got a master's degree at Columbia, and that was so unusual for a woman back then, especially a woman who right. was already a mother of two. And so, you know, I I started to realize how amazing she was. Um, so, yeah, it was it was fun to, to think about them again because my 
grandparents are long gone. I mean, the last one mm-hmm. to go was mm-hmm. that grandmother, and she died in 1997, so, you know, 22 years ago. Right. Wow. Well, you certainly have the genes. She blazed a trail for you, and you were pretty aggressive, type A personality, have been kind of just about around the world, but most importantly for yourself, you ventured out to if I'm not mistaken, if I recall correctly, to even Brazil to pursue your education and so forth. So that was kind of cool to have a role model that way. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I come from a line of fairly strong women. So so that's good. And men who, um, who encourage that. I mean, my father didn't treat the girls any differently than, you know, the one son. So Mm-hmm. We were all encouraged to do everything, and that's why I'm this crazy person now who works seven <laughs> days a week and is like a machine putting out books and podcasts and everything else that I do. Wonderful. Tell us a little bit about the beautiful book cover. I love it. It's just beautiful. It's so attractive, and it's so warm and engaging. Yeah, we redesigned our book covers a couple of years ago, and then we did another round of redesign very recently so we, we've reduced the size of the chicken soup for this old logo, even though it's still there. And we've really worked on making the artwork compelling and having it go from top to bottom. And we also are embossing the titles. And that makes mm-hmm. the books work really well as gifts because they seem even more special because we spent that extra money on embossing. And in this case, we wanted to have a diversity of grandmothers and grandfathers on the cover. And so we have, um, it looks like we have a white grandma and a baby, and then it looks like we have a Latino (laughs) grandfather and his grandson, and then we have an Asian grandfather and granddaughter, and then we have an African-American grandmother, and I think that's a granddaughter. Uh, I can't really tell because of the graduation (laughs) cap. Um, and, and, And then we have an Indian grandmother and granddaughter uh, on the back. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's, it's, we were really, yeah, we were representing the wide variety of people who read Chicken Soup for the Soul books and who contributed the stories in this book. And then it's this beautiful mint green color. So it's really nice for spring. I wanted it to have a very spring look and also mm-hmm. be unisex, you know, so that the grandfathers <laughs> would not think this was like some book that's for only for their wives. So it's green right, and purple. Right. right. Well, what I like about it also is the fact that you walk people through the generations because when people talk about or at least think about grandparents, oh, my old grandpa sitting on a rocking chair kind of thing in front of the house. And this book is not that. My grandparents are engaging me in my life. Well, and it's part of how the role of grandparents has evolved mm-hmm. over the decades. So mm-hmm. you can have grandparents, you know, who are as young as in their 40s, or you have people who don't even become grandparents till they're in their 70s, depending right. on when they had kids and when their kids have kids. And a lot of people complain these days that their kids are waiting forever <laughs> to provide them with their grandchildren. I mean, I have that discussion all the time with my friends. (laughs) Um, But what's interesting is that even though many first-time grandparents now are older than first-time grandparents were a generation ago, these grandparents are so youthful at the same time. Like, they're older chronologically, Mm -hmm. but I think that they're more active and youthful in terms of how they conduct their lives. Like, they might still be working. They travel all the time. They're doing sports. 
because there's so much more awareness now of remaining fit. And mm-hmm. so, which is nice for the grandchildren because it probably means that these grandparents will live longer than mm-hmm. the great parents great-grandparents did because they're so aware of cholesterol and sugar and getting exercise and doing, you know, your cardio a few times a week and all of that. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, we represent all of those ages, but you are right that we have some very dynamic grandparents in this book. And then, you know, when kids are writing about grandparents, you know, they might make it sound like their grandparents are really old because when you're 10, (laughs) everybody seems old. But I mean, some of like I, some of these, you know, grandparents, they're like their memories are of this elderly person, but they might really only be describing somebody who was sixty, yeah, know, at the time yeah. of the events in the story, because mm-hmm. to a little kid, everybody looks old. Right, right. I agree with that. But I have to tell you this: I recently had a couple of ballroom students. They fell in love. He is eighty-two, and she's seventy-nine years young. Both of them are 82 and 79 years young, not old. And they move beautifully on the dance floor. And I'm teaching them foxtrot and so forth. So they have a wonderful active role. Oh, yeah. And dancing is such great cardio exercise (laughs) and fun at the same time. That's wonderful and great for balance and coordination Mm -hmm. and for keeping Mm -hmm. their – well, you know all the benefits of ballroom dancing. You're the instructor. <laughs> and they had to take two weeks off for spring break taking care of their grandchildren. Oh. <laughs> well, they were probably better able to get up from the floor than I was last night. After a while, it was really hard. I was wishing I had a little chair down there. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us the various chapters covered in the book. Well, I started off with a chapter called The Joy of Becoming a Grandparent because I love those mm-hmm. stories about you know, finding out you're going to be a grandparent and seeing the baby for the first time. You know, those stories always bring tears to our readers' eyes and mine. Um, and then the second chapter is is a bunch of funny stories. The chapter is mm-hmm. called Grand and Great Laughs, and it's about grandparents and great-grandparents and just funny things that happened with the children. And then the third chapter is just some really special, heartwarming stories. It's called Treasured Moments and Memories. Fourth chapter is the kids talking about their grandparents, and it's called Through the Eyes of a Child. And then the fifth chapter is about that mutual, unconditional love, because that is such a cool thing about grandparents. Like when you're a kid, mm-hmm. you know if you tell your grandmother something, even if you did something bad, she's just going to be you know, more supportive and less mm-hmm. judgmental mm-hmm. than your own parents would be. And then... In chapter um, six, we talk about gifts and gratitude. Chapter seven is about play dates. That's when the grandparents get to spend all that time, you know, taking care of the grandkids. And that's when they take the Advil afterwards. (laughs) And then chapter eight is called Role Models. And it's about, you know, these life lessons from these dynamic grandparents. Chapter nine is very cool. And this is a chapter we couldn't even have had you know, five or more years ago. It's called Modern Grandparenting, and it involves a lot of the new stuff, like like we see our granddaughter on FaceTime a lot. And, mm-hmm. you know, people are visiting with their grandchildren over Skype, over FaceTime, because people live far apart from each other now. And then Chapter 10 is called Legacies Through the Generations, and that's about, you know, 
special family heirlooms passed down from one generation to the next or special lessons passed down from one generation to the next. So there's a lot of variety. It's just really fun. I had so mm-hmm. much fun putting the book together. I was sorry when it was done and I you know, needed to move on to something else. <laughs> Um, I think people are going to really enjoy it. I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of you know fan letters we get from people. Wonderful. One of the things about the book, and we talked a little bit about it briefly just now, the book beautifully walked through the generations, the role of grandparenting. And that's something really unique and beautiful because I think that actually keeps the family engaged. So all of a sudden right now, to me, age is a number, and it's been dissolved by events and activities that connect young and old together. Yeah, it doesn't really matter how old the grandparents are anyway, because all that matters is that they're the grandparents. So it just matters like what generation you're from mm-hmm, and not mm-hmm. really what your age is. That's true. Very, very true. So what would you like for the readers to gain in reading this book that are not necessarily yet grandparents, but they can get a lot out of it. Well, I think people will just find it very entertaining. This isn't a book where you're going to learn some great lessons about anything, you know, or be inspired to go out and do a certain thing, except maybe stay fit, you know, so that you can be a good grandparent and be able to keep up with the grandchildren. But I think it's just really good entertainment. And it's a way to give a grandparent a gift and say, you know, we really appreciate you. And here's a whole book mm-hmm. about people appreciating grandparents. And that's, and you know, that's because that's how I feel also. You know, it's a very mm-hmm. good way to show somebody that you love and appreciate what they do in the family. So true. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, and TuneIn Radio. I'm Johnny Tan, your host. And my guest for this morning is Amy Newmark the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Grandparents, 101 Stories of Love, Laughs, and Lessons Across the Generation. Amy, let's talk about some of the stories in the book. Chapter 1 is truly wonderful. It's a very nice start for this wonderful book, The Joy of Becoming a Grandparent. And the first story that I really like is The Pre-Announcement by Suzette Martinez-Strandry. Yes, so Suzette is talking about the fact that way back in time, you didn't find out that you were going to become a grandparent until you were told that, you know, the the pregnancy was three months along already (laughs) and you were given a due date. And she was talking about how these days it seems like the the announcement sometimes is really more of a pre-announcement because it's, we're trying, not we are pregnant. And so she didn't really know how to handle it when her daughter said, we're trying. Like, she was like, well, am I entitled to get excited yet? Like, can I go to the store and look in the baby section? Like, I don't really know what my status is. And she felt really uncomfortable. And then the problem was that months went by and she never got the announcement that her daughter was actually pregnant. So then she was like, should I ask her how it's going? No, I'd better not because this might be a sore subject at this point because nothing has happened yet. And then finally, she got the news that her daughter was pregnant. And it was such a relief for her because she had just been so upset about what is my status. And yet at this point, she had been so accustomed to 
keeping her emotions under wrap and not allowing herself to feel joyful that even when her daughter said that she was pregnant, Suzette didn't want to be happy yet because, well, what if it didn't take? What if she has a miscarriage? <laughs> Should I wait three months before I'm going to be happy, et cetera? And then one day she went to a store and she went to the baby section once again. And now she knew she actually was entitled to be there. And she just broke down crying and said, oh, my God, I finally belong here because it was finally time for her to actually, <laughs> you know, be joyful about the fact that within months she was going to become a grandmother. That's fantastic. It's a beautiful story. And, again, it's one of those things, like you mentioned, you being a grandma, in the sense that it hits you differently, and then all of a sudden right now you got this tech for the rest of your life. Yeah, it's true. That's great. <laughs> and then Suzette, in the same chapter, she talked about another thing that um, is pretty common these days with with you know children often moving mm-hmm. far away sometimes they will then come back and they don't have a you know a nearby residence and they're called boomerang children and they move right back in with the parents again and so when her first grandchild was born she had to deal with the fact that she lives in Massachusetts but her daughter and son-in-law and granddaughter lived in California but then her daughter and son-in-law agreed to move back to Massachusetts. So Suzette and her husband were so excited. And they said, well, why don't you just come and live in our house with us while you're looking for, you know, the house that you're going to eventually move into. So Suzette's husband is not her first husband, and he has never had children. And so she talks about how funny it was because he had no idea what it meant to have a baby come. He thought that maybe the baby would just be in like the walk-in closet in, you know, off the bed <laughs> off, you know, the daughter's bedroom and had no idea that, you know, the baby stuff would take over the whole house. I mean, <laughs> he by the time she ends her story, he's conceded that um the daughter and her husband and the baby can have the entire upstairs of their house. And then Suzette talks at the end of the story about how her husband has no idea that the baby's going to take over the living room as well. Because that's what happens. Their stuff is everywhere. There's so much equipment and there's so many things you want to leave permanently set up. You know, the swing, all the things you want in the common areas. You don't want to keep moving them back and forth. So that was just amusing um, having her talk about how little her husband knew about what was to come. Beautiful story, beautiful story. Chapter 2, Grand and Great Last, and the story is Papa's Um by Dale Howitson. So a lot of grandparents are jokers, especially the grandpas. Mm-hmm. And in this case, oh, did this guy get in trouble with his wife? So <laughs> Dale had watched as his granddaughter, Lilith, dealt with her baby teeth coming out. And at first she was really scared when her baby teeth would come out. You know, they bleed and Mm -hmm. you don't know what's going on and it hurts when the new ones come in. And anyway, she got through that and she finally finished having her baby teeth come out. And she was a little girl. And then one day she was looking at Dell's arms and he said, you see how my arms are longer than yours? And she said, yes. (laughs) And he said, that's because these are my grown-up arms. And she looked down at her own arms, and then he told her, 
that one day she would get her adult arms and that her girl arms would fall off and then she would grow in her adult arms. Well, then she started screaming. <laughs> and then Stell's wife, like, he got in a lot of trouble for that. But I thought it was funny. So we put it in. <laughs> it's a wonderful story. Well, for one thing, yeah. kids look at us adults, and I say this again respectfully, it's like God saying, this is exactly what's going to happen. Really? Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. I thought it was really funny. At the end, his wife said to him, you're going to have to pay for her therapy. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Beautiful story. Beautiful story. Chapter three, Tragic Moments and Memories, My Grandma's Game Show by Laura Nyberg Palmer. This was such a cool story. So Laura used to spend a lot of time at her grandparents' place. And that was really like her haven. When things weren't going great at home, she always knew that her grandparents' house would be safe and secure and warm and loving. And her grandparents always had dinner, then watched the news, and then watched Wheel of Fortune. And so she would watch her grandmother you know, play along with Wheel of Fortune and yell out the answers and whoop when she got it right. And she had her grandmother till she was 27, and then her grandmother died. And then Laura was living in Chicago, and she was watching Wheel of Fortune kind of nostalgically. <laughs> and then she thought, you know what? I'm going to like apply to be a contestant. So she filled out an application online, and um, she got an email saying, that they were going to come to Chicago and that she could now apply to be auditioned, she would have to submit a 60-second video explaining why they would want her as a contestant. Mm -hmm. So she did that. Then she got an email asking her to audition. So she passed yet another hurdle. So she went and did the audition, and they had, like, rounds, and she kept making it through the rounds. So she thought she made it all the way through. She never got the letter in the mail saying, that they wanted her on the show. So she was very disappointed, but then she realized, okay, I made it all the way to the final round, but they still didn't, didn't pick me. And then a few months later, she had this dream. It was really vivid. And in the dream, she was back watching Wheel of Fortune with her grandmother. And her grandmother said to her, why haven't you tried out for Wheel of Fortune again? And Laura said, well, they didn't take me. And her grandmother said, try again, trust me. This was all in the dream. So Laura woke up and she started crying because it seemed so real. And then she thought, well, I'll take my grandmother's advice. And so she applied again. And it turned out that that very same week, Wheel of Fortune was coming back to Chicago to cast mm -hmm. again. And so she got invited to audition again. And she, you know, went through the whole process. And then she got an email, I guess they had switched to email from, you know, postal mail because time had passed. She got an email saying she made it on the show. So she was actually going to be a contestant on Wheel of Fortune. And a few months later, she filmed her episode. And then, believe it or not, months later, the original letter inviting her on the show arrived in one of those plastic bags from the postal service Mm -hmm. You know, where that letter got torn up and then you get this like, <laughs> you get like this little plastic bag full of remnants it, from yeah. the postal service. <laughs> yeah. So it turned out they had sent her the, the letter 
all that time after her first audition, she had been asked to go on the show by mail, and she never got the letter. Um, but anyway, she wouldn't have tried again if she hadn't had that dream in which her grandmother told her to try again. So I thought that was a very cool story. Very much so. And that's that spirit helping her go for it, go for it, and it did. And so it's a beautiful, wonderful sort of all-around wrap-up story to show the connection with grandma. Yeah, and you don't have to believe that grandmother came to her in a dream. (laughs) You can believe that it was Laura's own subconscious, but she was channeling her grandmother's wisdom and enthusiasm and her grandmother's support for her. So she could just have been channeling that, you know, playing the role of her grandmother in her dream, but it was because her grandmother would have told her to do that, and she knew her grandmother's support for her, and it was that support from her grandmother that gave her the courage to go on audition again, even though she thought she had been rejected the first time. Beautiful. Another story in Chapter 3 that I really like, Treasured Moments and Memories, is A Sticky Situation by Jeremy Mays. Oh, yeah, so... This is a really funny one. I actually told this story on the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast also. I don't know if it's run yet, but I recorded it for the podcast. Uh So Jeremy's parents both worked, and sometimes they worked the same shift. And when that happened, their grandfather would step in and take care of the three kids. And it seemed like they always had an adventure of some kind. Sometimes he'd give them each, you know, a small amount of money and they'd go to like the mall and they could go on a shopping spree with the money that he gave them. Or they'd go fishing somewhere, but it turned out they were kind of trespassing when they were fishing. But there was always <laughs> some kind of adventure. So one day their grandfather said, okay, pile into the car. We're going downtown. Um, and their main road downtown was called Broadway, but it wasn't New York City. It was, you know, another town. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so their grandfather was not the greatest driver, apparently. So he was driving along, and he had, you know, a package of gum, and he offered the gum to the grandchild sitting next to him in the front seat. And then he turned completely around to offer the gum to the two kids in the back. Well, he wasn't watching the road at all, and he drove the car right up onto the sidewalk and then had to quickly, you know, veer off the sidewalk and back down onto the road again. Well, then... He tries to offer them the gum again, and this time he runs right into the back of a tour bus. (laughs) So he gets out of the – nobody's hurt, but he gets out of the car and goes and talks to these guys who come off the tour bus, you know, looking kind of like wearing Western wear. And um, Jeremy looks up and sees in the window, the rear window of the tour bus, this woman with long, wavy hair, And then, and she's looking down at, you know, this little accident, which didn't really damage anything. And um, the guys are outside talking about, you know, what are we supposed to do and is everything okay? (laughs) And then Jeremy sees up on the, you know, the top of the back of the bus, it says Loretta Lynn. And he realizes, oh my God, we just ran into the back of Loretta Lynn's tour bus. So anyway, that was it. That was his, that was one of his, Adventures with his grandfather. <laughs> it's a wonderful story. Story about grandpa. The thing that I could recall with my grandpa was he died when I was really young. One of the stories that I remembered vaguely was he was babysitting me. And of course, my dad worked and my mom had to go somewhere. 
guess what? He took me to his place where he gambles and kind of introduced me to gaming, for like a better term. <laughs> my parents were so upset with him. But he gave me things that I want. I mean, as a kid, I mean, whether it's sweets or balloons and stuff like that. I remember that. And the joke is, of course, like, if your grandpa had not passed away, you'd probably be a spoiled, rotten kid. <laughs> you know, what's funny about that is grandparents do spoil their kids, but I think kids know the difference. Yeah. And they yeah. know that that, like, that spoiling, that, you know, eating cake for breakfast, whatever it is, that that exists in a bubble. <laughs> And that is yeah. not going to pertain to the rest of life. <laughs> so I think it's okay if we spoil them as grandparents because I think it is encased safely in that bubble and won't spoil them for life, you know? Right, right. So true. Chapter 4, Through the Eyes of a Child, Grace to Live in the Moment by Robin Melvin. So, yeah, so Robin, she was taking care of her granddaughter, and it was a lot of work, Um her son was deployed in the Air Force, and the mother of the child had abandoned her. So with the dad away with the Air Force, it was up to Robin, the grandmother, to take care of this little three-year-old. And so they were out in the flower garden, and Robin worked really hard on her flower garden, and she had these you know, beautiful roses. And so her granddaughter was admiring the roses, and then Robin turned away to do some weeding, and when she turned back, the rose bush was completely denuded, I guess, of blossoms, <laughs> was just twigs. Every single flower had been picked off it by her granddaughter, and there were rose petals all over the ground, and her granddaughter was throwing the rose petals in the air, and first Robin was really upset. I mean, her prized rose bushes were just destroyed. <laughs> But then she saw the joy that her little granddaughter had and she got control of herself. And she said, you know, you those are beautiful, Madison. And then she realized, yeah, this is a lot of work taking care of her, but look at all these great moments I have. I'm really lucky to be a grandmother who gets to spend so much time with her granddaughter. And then she said, like the weeds in my flower garden Life's messes can distract me from what's most important. So, you know, the weeds right. in her flower garden distracted her from the roses. And then she realized, like, the weeds in her life, like the, you know, baby's mother who left and then, you mm -hmm. know, all this work for Robin, those were the weeds in her life. But what was the flower in her life was this beautiful little girl who she got to spend time with. So I just thought that was nice because I like these stories that give you some perspective on whatever you're going through and make you see the silver linings and see the blessings. And and I, I just think these are good mood busters, good mood um, boosters, right? Right, right. And also right. could pertain to parents as well. Anybody who's feeling a little bit put upon, it helps to just push that reset button and say, okay, there are weeds in my garden, but I still have the flowers in my garden also. So true, so true. What I like about this whole book as a whole, I think it works wonderfully well as sort of a guidance for grandparents, actually. Yeah, if you mm -hmm. were a new grandparent or let's say somebody wanted to announce, hey, you're going to become a grandparent, this book would be a great way to do it because it, right. it gives you everything from the early years as a grandparent, you know, the grandparent of a newborn all the way up to grandparent of a grown child. So it's... <laughs> 
<laughs> it does kind of give you a roadmap that you can follow. So true. Chapter 5, That Mutual Unconditional Love, Transformative Support by Diane Page. So this is really interesting because I have actually met um, the child who is talked about in mm-hmm. this story. So Diane Page opens the story by talking about how she and her husband are stepping out of the elevator onto her parents' floor in the apartment building where they live. And they're going to have a very important and surprising conversation with her parents. And that conversation is about the fact that Diane and her husband have two children. Um, The older one is a girl, and the younger one is a boy who wants to become a girl. And this poor child has been miserable for years and has just felt that the wrong body was assigned. And this child has been wearing the wrong clothes, playing with the wrong toys, having the wrong friends. I mean, this child really wants to be a girl. And the parents have seen how incredibly unhappy this child is. And so he's been very open with them about how the fact that he wants to be a she. And so they are now going to see Diane's parents. And the parents immediately get it because they know the child. Mm -hmm. And they say, you know what? We get it. This makes total sense. We will be completely supportive. We'll help you with the other relatives. And so she talks about how grateful she is that her parents really understood this and um, how this was going to help her child so much um, in the transition to to being female. And so I just thought that was very moving and, of course, is very relevant to today. I mean, that's one of the good things about coming out with a new book about grandparenting where, you know, as we discussed before, we talked about visiting the grandchildren using Skype. But these other mm-hmm. things, these are really big issues too, and this is happening more and more. And so I know there are going to be some people who are upset with us for publishing this story, but I think this is extremely important, and it's very important for grandparents to be exposed to this because somebody who reads this book is going to get this same message about their own grandchild. and They will be ready for it because they've read the story. So true. I'm really glad you included this story as well because we're not here to judge. I think to each is their own, to be honest with you. I mean, every family lives their own life. This is something, it's out there. This is real world, real situation, and it needs to be heard and given a voice in some ways. I'm not here to make any yay or nay comment, but I love the story simply because we are having a reality check. And in the end, when it's all said and done, when we look through the lens of love, everything is okay. Well, it's just biology. Nobody asks Mm -hmm. to be unhappy Mm -hmm. in their skin. Right. This is just biology that this child needed to do this in order to not be miserable. Um, mm-hmm. And then the next story that I know that you liked, which is in the chapter called Gifts and Gratitude, yes. it's in the same vein. <laughs> it's by Evan Purcell. It's called Arcade Prizes. And Evan is so grateful to his grandmother for helping him when he was five years old. So even as a five-year-old, Evan was clearly different from the other boys in the family and from all his male cousins. 
So they went to an arcade one day. It was a big family outing, like the arcade along the boardwalk at some beach. And the kids were all getting those tickets that you can turn in to get prizes. And so, you know, the boy cousins were getting trucks and cars and boy things, and the girls were getting girl things. And Evan, who already knew he was different from his cousins because he liked to listen to, he liked to watch The Little Mermaid and he liked to play like tea party with the neighbor girls. He loved his grandmother's brooch. Like he always looked at it. His male cousins probably never even noticed what she wore in any way whatsoever. And so when it came time for him to pick out a prize, he picked out this pink and purple, you know, like plastic ring. He just Mm -hmm. thought it looked awesome. And there was just silence, stunned silence from all the family members. (laughs) And, you know, his father was very uncomfortable and the older boy cousins were laughing at him. And so he was trying to pick something else, but what he really wanted was that sparkly ring. And then his grandma stepped in and she was like, give him the ring. That's what he wants. And then they all left and everybody was kind of embarrassed, you know, avoiding him. And he felt terrible. And his grandma firmly took his hand and walked with him down the boardwalk with the rest of the family. And he knew that he had his grandmother's support. And he didn't know at that time at age five why he was different from his mm-hmm. cousins. He just knew that he was, and it wasn't until, you know, he was 10 that he really understood why he was different. But he was grateful forever for the support that Nana Sherl showed him that day. It's a beautiful story. And again, I'm so glad that you all decide to print stories like this because it is, in the end, about looking through the lens of love. Fantastic. Mm You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, and TuneIn Radio. My guest is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul Grandparents, 101 Stories of Love, Laughs, and Lessons Across the Generation. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Amy, Chapter 7 it's really interesting. This is funny. If there's one complaint, I guess, <laughs> about grandparents is this. Playdates, Babysitting 101 by Ernie Whitham. Yeah, Ernie always writes really funny stories for us. <laughs> so he's talking about how his daughter, Christy, asked him to babysit the grandkids just for a few hours. And so he broke every single one of her rules. Like the first thing he did was try to give the kids like chili fries and pizza for their after school snack and and one of the little kids said but mommy said we were supposed to have healthy snacks like fruit so ernie whips out a package of cherry flavored red vine licorice and says this is made with fruit and (laughs) you know and then he let them watch um television which they weren't supposed to watch and they were watching the three stooges and then one of the kids said, but mommy said we w- shouldn't watch the Three Stooges because they're too dumb and they're violent. And he said, no, they're classic. Of course you must watch the Three Stooges. And then one of the kids said, but we're supposed to do our homework. And so then he you know, tries to help them with the homework. But one of them is learning fractions, and all he manages to do is bake brownies and then show them how you could cut the brownies into quarters and then sixteenths. So, so that's the fraction <laughs> lesson, which really just means eating more more stuff that isn't good for them. So finally, when um, his daughter Christy comes to retrieve the kids, she sees the remains of pizza, popcorn, soda, brownies, licorice, 
<laughs> her daughter is covered with stickers and glitter, and every the kids are a mess. They're on sugar highs, and uh, he says to his daughter, "Well, call me if you need help again." And as she's leaving, she goes, "Yeah, right." So that was his story. But you know, as you and I discussed already, it's okay to spoil the grandkids. <laughs> I love it. The good news is. That's it. My time's up. You can have them back. (laughs) Yeah, that is true. (laughs) Chapter 8. We talked about this before. Role Models. Motorcycle Grandma by Dana Dross. So Dana talks about how her grandmother was way more fun than she was. So Dana was in college, and she was super serious. She was always studying and obsessing over her tests and wasn't going out with her friends. And she calls her grandmother one night her grandmother gives her this real lecture because her grandmother is crazy she's got a new she's got a new husband she's riding motorcycles with her new husband they got matching tattoos they went (laughs) skydiving they're always pulling like pranks on people and so she's talking to her grandmother about you know studying and this and that her grandmother starts lecturing her i want you to go out and have a blast and dana's like no i can't i have to study and then her grandmother says, everybody says you're my clone. That means you have to go out and have a blast and have some adventures. And so she gets off the phone and she goes back to her roommate. And she says, all right, we're going out. We're not going to study anymore. We have to go out and have some kind of crazy adventure. So it was just her grandmother making her lighten up, which I thought was very nice. <laughs> it's a beautiful story. And again, it comes back to the idea of you're never young or old. Fun is fun, and fun is the here and now. Well, I think also as people get older, they realize that, Mm -hmm. you know, and so they're more likely to encourage younger people to lighten up a little and find the joy in life. Right, right. So true. Well, Chapter 9, what I like about Chapter 9 is we're talking about modern-day grandparenting. And so the title of the chapter, the entire chapter, is Modern Grandparenting. And the story I like is Wildcard by Cynthia Finland. Yeah, so in this case, Cynthia uses football as a metaphor for what I'll call the sport of competitive grandparenting because <laughs> it's really a problem these days, especially with people living far apart. So you might have one grand you know, one set of grandparents who live really close to the grandchild and one you know, one set who live thousands of miles away or at least hundreds of miles uh-huh. away. And then you also have with all the divorces, you know, sometimes you have like four sets of grandparents for one grandchild. Right. And so right. it's really hard for everybody to get time. And so everybody's trying to make sure that they get Christmas or they get Thanksgiving or they get to take everybody on a week-long vacation. And so Cinda talks about the fact that she was like the primo grandmother for a while because the granddaughter lived only three miles from their house. And then her granddaughter and her parents moved to Canada. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. Cinda was far away from her granddaughter and actually had to cross an international border to go and visit her. <laughs> so she describes the whole thing in terms of football and who has the advantage and who has possession of the ball and stuff like that. So I just thought it was really interesting, and it appealed to me because um, – there are lots of different sets of grandparents for our granddaughter. Mm-hmm. There's four sets of grandparents. Uh-huh. So there's 
<laughs> there's a lot of competing factions, you know. <laughs> we were very lucky to get six hours yesterday. <laughs> so did you apply some of the techniques and are you taking good notes on this, Amy? <laughs> Well, what I'm doing is I'm talking to the other grandparents and saying, let's just do things together, you know, and let's Mm -hmm. just have, you know, more than one set of grandparents at different events or visits, you know, and and Uh I said, everybody's welcome to come to my house. If I'm lucky enough to get a visit, come and join Mm -hmm. me, you know, and be part of it, because the more we share, the easier it is on the parents and the more that we grandparents will get to see our grandchildren. So just makes sense to me. We all like each other. We might as well just share these <laughs> wonderful visits. So true. So true. Another story in the same chapter is really wonderful, too. We talk about modern-day grandparenting, Long Distance Love by Susan Mathis. Yeah, we have a few stories in this book about grandparents who spend a lot of time with their grandchildren, but via Skype or FaceTime. And it really works out well. I mean, obviously, you'd rather be together, but the video is not bad. Even when my granddaughter was less than a year old, she understood what was going on when she looked at a video. You know, she could see us, Mm -hmm. and she would Mm -hmm. show us stuff. Like, the kids take to that. And so Susan talks about the fact that all four of her granddaughters were born in South Africa, and Susan was in the United States. And so she took 10 trips to South Africa over seven years, which was really hard, but she wanted to establish, you know, that bond with them mm-hmm. early on. And now they've come back to the States, but they're still, you know, an airplane ride away for her. And so they've established weekly Skype visits. And <laughs> she says that she's actually not even sure that her granddaughters will remember which of their good times with their grandparents happened in person and which ones happened via the internet. And I thought that is so true. And I thought that's really quite encouraging. And I bet it is true that people, that kids will not, they'll know that their grandparents saw them at graduation and saw them at their birthdays and showed their pictures to their grandparents and showed them the skit they were practicing for school or whatever. They're not going to remember in the long run whether it was over Skype or in person. They're just going to remember that their grandparents were always a part of their lives. So true. What I like about it, too, that there are technologies out there right now that really, truly brings the people together sitting right next to each other. I know one thing Skype has done tremendous for my sister and I. The last time I saw her was about five years ago, but we Skype every week at specific day and time. And we spend about an hour on Skype, sometimes a little bit more than that. It was just wonderful because like I'm sitting in a room with her. She shows me the things that she's doing and I'm doing the same thing as well. I've actually cooked dinner while talking with her and she had done the same thing as well. When you have the ability to see someone, I think it bridges everything. Yeah, especially kids because they want to show Mm -hmm. you stuff. Right. That's really helpful. Yeah, they want to hold something up and show you their stuffed animal or whatever, their picture or whatever. Right, right. And the reaction. They can see your reaction. It's real. It's mm-hmm. real time. And it's nice because you get to see them as they're growing up. And so it's nice. you don't have to just see them every couple of months and see that they've grown two inches since the last time. <laughs> chapter 10. It's the perfect chapter to end this beautiful book, Legacies Through the Generations. The first story that I really like, Easter Ham Pie by Bruce Capo Ferry. 
So Bruce had the misfortune to be born into a family that had no daughters, and the tradition in the family was that in every generation, the special recipe for the Easter ham pie would be passed down to the firstborn daughter in a family. But Bruce ended up having to get the recipe, even though he had zero interest in it. He had to go and visit his Italian grandmother and have her in kind of broken English explain to him how to make this pie. And he was like eight years old. He really didn't want to do this, but he had to. And then his grandmother made him promise that he would never give the recipe to his mother because she was the daughter-in-law of grandma, and the recipe could only be passed to a blood relative. So here's this poor little eight-year-old boy being taught this recipe in which he has zero interest in being told he cannot share it with his mom. So I just thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> I thought it would be too. What's interesting about it is those are those timely recipes that are handed down in generations, and that's the beauty of it, the lineage too, whether it's a food recipe or a recipe of wisdom. Chapter 10 has another beautiful story that I like, A Visit with Grandma by Robin Gunter. Oh, yeah. I had the pleasure of meeting Robin back in August in um, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and she told me this story, and I love this story. So her grandmother moved into an assisted living building and was having a wonderful time there. And uh, Robin would visit her a lot, and they decided to do a project together. Um, they decided to make a book with all of her grandmother's stories about her childhood and you know her early memories and just like a family history through the eyes of her mm -hmm. grandmother. And they worked on it for a really long time. This was a huge project. They had to go through her grandmother's storage area and find photos and find journals she had kept and found, find notes that she had made. And her grandmother, you know, was already in her 90s, and, but very dynamic and, you know, and fully cognitive, no dementia. And so finally the book was done and – Robin was going to take it and show it to her grandmother. And the day she was going to take it to show to her grandmother, her father called and told her that her grandma had passed away that night. So she never got to show the book to her grandmother, but her grandmother knew the book was you know, going to exist. And Robin said what she did get to see is the joy on the faces of her family members when she shared the book with them. And Robin says that she personally got a much better understanding of who she is because of now understanding where her grandmother came from because she started viewing her not as her grandmother but as an independent living being who was a baby and a little girl and a you know teenager and a young married woman, et cetera. And she really understood her much better as a result of creating this book. And that's one thing that people say, how important it is to preserve those memories while you can. Like I've been going through my father's mm -hmm. old photo albums that show, you know, the 1930s, 40s, 50s, and I've been putting post-it notes on different people because even though he has pretty severe dementia, he can identify the people in all of those pictures. You know, he's like, well, that's right. Bama Rose and that's, you know, Grandma Lena, and he's you know identifying everybody. We would have no idea who anybody was otherwise. So I've been going through the albums with him and labeling everybody so that the whole family can have this history uh, even when he's gone. 
It's a beautiful story. It reminded me of when I put together my book from my mama's kitchen, Food for the Soul Recipes for Living, about my relationship with my nine moms. And when the book came out, the children of all the various moms that I had read the book and they were astonished in the sense that, oh, I didn't realize my mom was this, 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 or that, that, that. I mean, it was all good. Don't get me wrong. Because when you were, I guess, in the immediate family, a lot of times you take things for granted. But these are actually wonderful family stories. And so I was glad to be able to kind of share that with them from a step away, I guess, from that perspective. And I had recordings of my various moms because we would sit down and talk for hours about things that seemed mundane, but it was a wonderful story walking through the generations. So I just wanted to share that with you. And that's the reason why I chose that story. What is Chicken Soup up to for the spring? We have a lot of books coming out, all with our fresh new look, which I'm so excited mm-hmm. about. I just I love our new book covers. I think they make them even giftier. Giftier is an official publishing yes. term. <laughs> so um, besides the grandparents' book, we have this um, Mom Knows Best book, which is you know a wonderful gift, wonderful validation for mothers that the kids really are listening. And then we have a couple of really cool books coming out for people who love cats and dogs. The dog book is coming out in April and the cat book in May. And they're all about what we've learned from our cats and dogs, really fun books. And then in June, I just finished editing this book. I made a book with Dean Carnassus, who's one of the most famous runners in the world. He's the ultra marathon man. In fact, he's in Peru right now. This Saturday, he's going to be running a 50 mile race through the desert um, at high altitude. I mean, it's brutal Mm -hmm. conditions there. Um, But he's doing this endurance run for one of his sponsors, North North Face. And so we have a book coming out together in June called uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Running for Good. And it's not just about running. It's about walking, too. And it's so motivational. It will get everybody out there running or walking, whichever they prefer. So that's what's going on this spring at Chicken Soup for the Soul. Fantastic. As we close the show, what recipes for living would you like to share with our listeners this morning? Well, I made a list of tips from this grandparents book, and I think these apply to life in general. And the first one is don't be afraid to make magical things happen for other people just the way grandparents do for their grandchildren. And then the second one is let people take care of you. You don't always have to be the caregiver. You can receive the care also. And then The third one is it's okay to keep secrets once in a while if it's because there's like this unconditional love and this trust between people. And then the fourth thing is just get out there and try living once in a while. Like when Dana was told by her (laughs) grandma, you know, her motorcycle grandma to get out there and have some fun. And then finally, and this plays into, you know, the story about the little gay boy or the transgender Mm -hmm. child which is provide that unconditional, non-judgmental support, whether it's for your grandchildren or anybody else in your life. Like, stop judging people. So those are my recipes for life. Fantastic. Amy, thank you for the great recipes for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Tuesday morning, April 2nd. Amy will be back to talk about Chicken Soup Special Edition Mother's Day book titled 
Chicken Soup for the Soul, Mom Knows Best, 101 Stories of Love, Gratitude, and Wisdom. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. As always, Amy, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a blessed day. Thank you so much, Johnny. Goodbye. Bye-bye.